Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This is the Rooted Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Panetta. We're downtown in Salem, Oregon, as always, in studio today. Uh, I got a great one lined up. Uh, awesome guest that I've been excited about since I, I met him. Uh, and we're going to get right into it. But before I do, just, you know, always re- like to recap what we're, what we're doing, what we're all about. Ground, this this uh, podcast is part of our Leadership Institute in town. And our vision and goal is to, to be a catalyst for transformational change in our community. And we don't believe that we are that change, but we believe that our community is and that the leaders within it and organizations can create incredible change in our community. And we just want to be a part of that journey. So we take leaders from all sectors and we spend time with them. We, we go through leadership development, build relationships, etc. And we have uh, just an amazing time. And I get the opportunity to interview a lot of guests, some from within our community, some from without, some well-known, you know, some that people you know, will, will have never heard from before. And every once in a while, uh, I get somebody from our community and who also is, is I would say, pretty well-known. So Ryan is our guest today, uh, and I'm going to let him introduce himself more in more detail, but but he's a ex-NFL player. Um, played in the league how many seasons? Seven? Uh, eight. 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 Eight, eight. eight seasons. Three Super Bowls, um, which is pretty amazing. Um, and, and just has been able to play with some amazing players under some uh, amazing coaches, has learned quite a bit. Um, and so I'm, I'm just eager to learn from him today, I'm sure, as is everybody else. So I'm just going to turn the time to you to introduce yourself, and I'll just interject and ask questions every once in a while. We talked about beforehand where we wanted to take the episode, but... Go ahead and introduce yourself in more detail, Ryan. Well, first, thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, um, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, um, born and raised in uh, Salem, Oregon. Uh, lived right behind actual th- uh, Thrillville uh, on the corner of Battle Creek Road. Um, yeah, uh, got one sister. Um, we uh, pretty much did most of our. Uh, upbringing and early childhood in in Salem and then eventually my you know as we have grown older um, we've kind of dispersed a little bit up up north but we're still all here in in, in Oregon but uh, yeah longtime native uh, from Salem it's great to be back uh, it's taken me you know life and my journey has taken me kept taking me further and further away from the west coast in Oregon um, uh, but uh, yeah had had amazing journey in the sports career um, uh, was able to play in the NFL for eight seasons and learned a ton. Um, but I look back on, you know, I, th- I thought a lot about this before we did this podcast, and I thought about uh, just how much I actually learned before I even got into the mm-hmm. NFL and my journey even moving from, you know, I'll talk a little bit more about it here in a little bit, but uh, my journey from Oregon even to just Louisiana uh, and spending three years in Louisiana, yeah. northern Louisiana, and how different culture was. And um, it's something we really – you know, as, as younger individuals and young adults, um, you know, you see it on the TVs, but, uh, you know, the region, the different regions of the country are truly, truly different. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So, so just, you know, what I learned there and, you know, the, the mentors and the leaders that I was able to, you know, work under and be coached by, um, played a large role in, uh, my development, uh, as an individual and as an athlete. And so, um, yeah, been very blessed to get the opportunity that I've had in the health and, uh, I'm excited to be back in Salem and, um, I'm currently working with the, uh, YMCA here in Salem and, uh, yeah, just can't wait to learn more and, and be back in the community and 
try to share and teach uh, all the lessons that I've learned. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's seriously, uh, you know, a privilege to have you on. Um, and I forgot to mention, you know, you're on the board at the YMCA and YMCA is going through a huge, uh, growth right now. Yeah. Awesome location building downtown. So, um, just a, an amazing organization to be a part of. And the people that I get to work for here are, you know, big, uh, big, uh, proponents of the YMCA and, and love their, their mission and their vision. So, um, tell us about, you know, kind of trace it back, start, you know, tell us about where you played for, cause you didn't just play in the NFL. I mean, you played for the, for the new England Patriots, man, under Bill Belichick, you got to play with Tom Brady. Uh, so tell us about, you know, your experience in the, in the, in the NFL, um, just kind of chronologically. And then, you know, where you went to college, kind of where you came from, because when you were sharing your story with me, I mean, you didn't even play football until your junior year of high school. So, right. um, I mean, it'd be awesome to hear kind of just tracing back your, your story, and then yeah. we'll get then we'll get into what you learned along all of all of that, yeah, yeah, that timeline. Well, um, like I said, uh, grew up um, just outside of Salem, realistically. And when I was a younger kid, um, I was very um, energetic, enthusiastic, loved sports. Um, but after a while of being out in kind of the the rural country uh, school district, um, it became clear to my parents that I was. Um, you know, very hungry for competition and, and sports. And so eventually during my fifth grade, or the, my fifth grade, my parents moved me into the Salem Kaiser School District and I went to Judson Elementary right. uh, for one year. And that was the transition where I started, you know, that was the journey where I started getting in the car and having to commute to whether it be school or sports or um, <laughs> it wasn't just very localized, um, you know, whatever was nearest to, uh, you know, whatever resources were nearest to me and my family for whether it's, you know, extracurricular activities and sports, they, you know, they started moving me where they thought would be a best fit for me. Mm -hmm. So fifth grade, I move into Salem um, and I start doing my schooling in the Salem Kaiser School District, Um, went to Judson uh, and then um, went to South Salem for three years, Uh, was kind of, you know, it it was funny. in high school, I was kind of right in the middle of uh, trying to figure out which sports I wanted to focus on the most. And, and in middle school, I was strictly soccer. Um, I was even actually at a point where my dad was bringing me up to Gresham, which is about a little, about an hour, yeah. a solid hour from mm-hmm. Salem. And two times a week, my dad would actually pick me up a little bit early from school to get me to practice on a traveling like club soccer team. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was my, that was the first time where we really made an effort to see just how, you know, where I stacked with everybody mm-hmm. else. And my parents could see that I was pretty competitive um, and wanton had a strong desire to, you know, play amongst yeah. the best. Which you know, play it, forward, forward, uh, center yeah, back? Forward and a little outside mid. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I liked Rover, though, wherever, even sometimes playing defense. I If a couple guys were sick or something, I'd drop back All there right. and play. But uh, looked like a good forward. <laughs> lefty, the lefty always got people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, still to this day it does. But, uh, yeah, so uh, in middle school, I, I – Basically, I got burnt out of soccer. Mm-hmm. To make a long story short, I was commuting um, tournaments. Uh, you know, that's one of the things I'm so thankful for my dad and the commitment that he made to give me the opportunity yeah. that he did uh, back in the day. But um, he uh, eventually, I remember coming home from a, a game one day and saying, "You know, I like I think I want to be done playing soccer." And it was kind of like my dad was like, "Okay, well, we got like three games left on during like our actual like season with these guys, so let's finish." Then we'll talk about mm-hmm. it. And uh, 
I ended up after those three games, I said, you know what, I, I'm, I'm really interested in kind of trying to play basketball on a competitive level. And, um, and I was just about to enter high school. And so my high, once I, you know, to make a long story short, I, I hung up the cleats on soccer for a couple years, um, or hung up the cleats basically for a couple years and really just kind of focused on basketball. Yeah. Kind of, it was a weird transition. Uh, and so early, uh, high school came on freshman, sophomore year, played basketball, um, didn't do anything in the fall, even though there was football going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, junior year was the first year I really jumped into football just basically because no one could kick. Um, and I kind of got wind that no one was really going after the kicker position or they didn't have anybody they could kick in at South Salem. And so I kind of hopped on, um, just, I remember talking to, uh, uh, uh was it uh, Defoe at the time? He was he was coaching football there, and uh, yeah, I ended up playing my junior year, and it just uh, I enjoyed it, but I didn't feel like I got a lot of opportunity um, yeah. at uh, at that position. And even when we were in field goal range, we wouldn't kick it a lot, and it just is. And I get it sometimes with scores, like it wouldn't yeah. do anything anyway, mm-hmm. and uh, that's something um, that definitely holds true in in the you know the ebb and flows of fo- of, of a football match, but. Um, I ended up making a decision to go to West Salem my senior year, which is a bit odd. Most kids don't choose to transfer their senior year. Yeah. Um, but the uh, group of individuals, so the other uh, young men who were at that school at the time, just collectively was a really good group of guys. Yeah. Uh, they were all multiple sport athletes. They mm-hmm. were, you know, they whenever they came around, my parents could see that they were, you know, they carried themselves with, you know, some class, they had good manners. And my dad was like, you know, if you're, if you're willing to go over there, I'll do whatever I need to do to try to get you an opportunity to be around that type of culture and, yeah. and whatnot. And, and that was a very, um, you know, looking back on it, man, that did a lot for me that year. Yeah. Because once I went there, I wasn't one of the better ones. Like even in basketball, like I wasn't a starter uh-huh. and I consider myself a pretty good athlete, but those guys were, I mean, there was a lot of competition there and there was a lot of, um, uh, value in, in being with those, with those guys. So, yeah, I, I went there for one year, um, played, played pretty competitively and, uh, in football and we, I think we were, we made it to the semis, ended up losing, but I got a lot of, but point, point is, is I got a lot of opportunity to kick Yeah, and I got myself out there a little bit and it kind of led, uh, it opened up some doors for opportunity to maybe play in in college, Mm -hmm. but I was still new. Still yeah. very rough around the edges on 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 my technique. Yeah, I'd only been playing a couple of years. Yeah, pretty much only a couple of years. So, um, we end up. Uh, where, where was that? Uh, I ended up getting a couple opportunities to go to some smaller schools for some workouts, but ultimately Oregon State uh, had an opportunity for me to walk on. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, long story short, end up walking on to uh, Oregon State. One other uh, guy there who they they're bringing in who is johnny hecker current punter for the carolina panthers yep and uh so johnny and i walk on together as unrecruited (laughs) walk-ons he's an all-state quarterback six five six six from seattle and i'm you know (laughs) this random late bloomer you know converted soccer player from salem oregon (laughs) Uh, and we're both fighting for a job at oregon state and ultimately he beats me out um i end up being the backup there for two years and uh, who, uh, who has more Super Bowls? Uh, yeah, well, he, he ended up getting one. Big Dog got one, which is I'm happy for him, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Johnny's had a, hell, a heck of a career, and um, he's uh, had a great career. 
and um, yeah, it, it, very talented too. Johnny oh, back yeah. in the day. Johnny is is a um, you know in the NFL you see just how uh, versatile all the athletes are. Yeah, and uh, Johnny was definitely one of them even way back in call in our early college. Um, uh, journey, but uh, yeah, didn't get a play at Oregon State, and uh, met with. Uh, so I decided to transfer after my mm-hmm. second year at Oregon State, and uh, when we were trying to go through that transfer process, we were met with a lot of resistance uh, with the athletic directors, and mm. just got really. It's unfortunate because they, um, I'm glad to see that the NCAA has made revisions to give kids more of an opportunity yeah. to move. Yeah. If they may have another opportunity that's yeah. better to get them on the field or maybe get a scholarship. But I was, um, yeah, I struck, uh, we had about three or four months where we, there were some other schools that were interested in us, um, but uh, didn't know if I was going to be eligible. So I had like schools like NC State and Penn State being like, well, we got a scholarship for you, but if you're not going to be eligible, I don't know that we can, yeah. we can waste that on you. So uh-huh. lot, <laughs> here comes Louisiana Tech, the only school that basically, um, uh, you know, remains loyal through that whole process. Yeah. And so I packed my bags. I had, I'll never forget this. I didn't have a pair of tennis shoes. I checked with my coach beforehand, like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be able to get some running shoes, some or shoes, tennis right? shoes once I get there. Right. <laughs> and so, um, packed my bags with a pair of flip flops, some soccer cleats and a big duffel bag. And I went to Ruston, Louisiana for three years and ended up getting a scholarship there and, and seeing, um, ended up finding a lot of success my last two years working with a a kicking instructor who really helped me refine my technique you know both physically and mentally yeah um that the the position that i play is definitely a um 90 percent mental Mm -hmm. uh, as a a lot of things are but yeah got it got a lot of chance uh, uh a lot of opportunity there and did well and then got a didn't you know draft day came along and i seemed like I was going to be one of the few that would get picked during the NFL draft that 2013, um, didn't happen. Uh, that was probably my first big wake up call of, of, you know, maybe sports is not your thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you may, um, it's a, it's a cutthroat business where the nothing is guaranteed and as, Mm -hmm. as good as you can do. Um, it, it's a, it's a, crazy thing to um experience when you give that much time to something and nothing is promised at all and so um but yeah ended up getting an opportunity though uh nothing promised but an opportunity to compete at the patriots and uh you know stuck my head down and tried to not give anybody any reason to doubt or mistrust me and through my three or four months of training and competing with the other guy there and i ended up winning the job and staying with them for six years and Winning a couple Super Bowls, <laughs> losing one, and you know they getting to experience the ups and downs, the the life lessons, and the you know the in you know the lessons of in game management and team, you know just the camaraderie between our team and being able to endure you know unfortunate moments that really feel like are out of your control, yeah. whether it's the refs or whether it's the score and. Um, yeah, I'm just like I said. I'll never forget when I was let go from the Patriots in 2018. I'll, I'll never forget telling Bill, "Hey, I'm more than appreciative of everything that I've learned here, and I'm I know I can apply the things that I've learned here, and I'm a better I'm a better man for it." Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to leave that place and to to learn everything I did was was the uh, the prize possession. Yeah. It wasn't the Super Bowl rings. It wasn't yeah. the you know the relationships I built were very important to me too but um the life lessons you know i can go out in the world now and um when i see 
you know, a problem or I see uh, hiccups in the road, like I take the approach of Bill Belichick, like how are we going to, how are we going to iron it out? How are we going to find the solution? Yeah. And there always is there. And in my mind doesn't, there's always a solution. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, take us, uh, thanks for that, yeah. that uh, history. It's, I love, you know, hearing those, those stories and, and there's probably, oh, I know there's a lot of grit, hard work up, like you said, ups and downs, things behind the scenes, probably sleepless nights, a lot of stress, sometimes excitement, just in that journey in, in general. And to be able to, to um, I think everybody has great examples and stories to offer, right? But to be able to, to perform and do something at the highest level possible, um, uh, which you were able to do, and, and, and not just play and perform at that level, but win, uh, you know, <laughs> a Super Bowl, I mean, some of those ups and downs, I think there's life lessons in there that we can all learn oh, yeah. from because because there's many days where I hit adversity and I want to just give up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody else can relate to that. But there's opportunities around us just like there's adversity around us. And you were talking before we started recording um, of things that you've learned along the way. You mentioned four, you know, four specific traits that you felt have were kind of in common you know, in all these different experiences you had. Um, I mean, tell us about some of those and share some stories. I mean, you were just starting to talk about lessons learned from, from Bill Belichick. I mean, what, right. what were some of those lessons? What were some of those examples and those moments where you, you learned those? Yeah, definitely. So um, first, just the, um, the transition from college to the pros is you, you do hear a lot of people talk about that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, you know, from, col- or from high school to college or from high school to the real world, mm-hmm. right? That, tra- that transition is always um, uh, is, is like stepping into the unknown yeah. and think the streets move faster. Uh, the players in the pros, they move faster. Mm-hmm. They hit harder. They, and so the margin for error is, is, is less. There's, uh, it makes things more difficult. And so um, I'll never forget just how much of a difference it was uh, in terms of the expectation, uh, in terms of the accountability um, that they demanded there it, in New England. And, um, you know, you, you know, I look back on it now and I see just, you know, when you have a leader like Bill Belichick who has been doing something for so long, um, there's a reason why he preaches what he does about, you know, ignoring the noise and speak for yourself. And these are on the door, mind you. Like yeah. when you walk into the facility, <laughs> right he's got there. four bullets down there. And they're just you there's nothing you can do but accept them because deep down your gut knows that they're they're true like they're in order for us to all work like a finely oiled and fine-tuned machine you know i'm not the quarterback i don't need to worry about how tom throws the ball i need to worry about how that ball comes off my foot yeah and they need me to do that and i need you know just like we all need those other positions to you know be accountable and and do what they they were brought here to do and um when you look at the the situation you know sports is unique we're paying multiple millions of dollars to young adults and a lot of the time those young adults have been going through several years of um gratification just Mm -hmm. a a lot of a lot of gratification because they're very good at what they do Mm -hmm. um you know think about how much um glorification that an an sec receiver or quarterback gets or running back gets from alabama 
I mean, for four years, if you're the starter there, I mean, everybody knows you. Yeah. They're selling your merchandise, and you're you're eighteen nine or eighteen nineteen to twenty two, you know. And so once you go into the NFL, there's that expectation, and that's what's different, you know. When you hear other Patriot players talk about, and I can share with you a little bit because I I got the chance to go and play for a couple other teams, yeah. so I've got a contrast of, <laughs> what of it, the what difference it's... between the Patriots and other players. But that's what all of us who have played for Bill will tell you that there there's that there's that uh, utmost uh, expectation for accountability and um you don't get gold stars for doing your job you get a gold star for putting the entire weight of the team or um, the situation on your in your hands and um, dealing with it like a professional yeah. and handling it in the uh with the utmost pressure and um um extreme situations that you come across and so it's uh yeah that it's a it's a it was a big you know shocker for for me to see the level of expectation that all these young adults had when I was 22 walking in that locker room and just seeing the way Julian Edelman you know he he's a guy who's just an absolute workhorse but he was young when I got there he was only a couple years older than me and just to watch him and his work ethic and there um, and how the leadership from Tom and and some of these older players like Matthew Slater and and stuff it, it was it was amazing to watch how the best of the best still came to work and carried themselves professionally and mm-hmm. had a job to do and and took it serious like and um, it was just different college everything's promised once you get a scholarship they're not gonna I mean you really got to do something for them to yeah. take that away and you pretty much got it made for four years yeah you got your school paid for you got food paid for and once you step into that that, uh, that next level it's it's just different and so um, you know the accountability and the structure of of how we work and how we focus on things was just you know a step above anything that I had experienced yeah. before and it was a, it was a learning curve for sure yeah, yeah. and and uh you know a quick note just kind of for people that might find themselves in all you know different different walks of life or different uh, circumstances what i'm hearing you know a key lesson that i'm hearing as you're talking is is when when there's more you know when you're receiving more when you're when you're in a, a, a almost a spotlight cuz obviously jump from NFL for college to the NFL is massive financially right so right. you don't get anything in college really no. um now there's opportunities but uh and then you, you all of a sudden you're like you said you're making you know millions uh in in college I mean in in the NFL so there's this huge reward you know for this position that you can have but now the the accountability needs to be higher the responsibility needs to hire the dis needs to be higher the discipline performance th- performance everything expectations th- high like you all have to meet that to, to get that and it can be stripped away from you immediately yeah and 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 i think there's yeah. a correlation as well and at a at a different level perhaps a, a less intense level but working with leaders here in the community the same mm-hmm. thing is you know, usually people that are in leadership positions have some desire to lead. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there, right? Right. They want to be a leader. They want to influence others. But also recognizing, I think there's a lack of transparency, you know, personally, that people are are, are not, you know, conversation they're not having with themselves that if I'm going to do this, it means I have to 
be more disciplined than I've ever been before. I have to be more accountable than I've ever been before. I actually have to produce more than I've produced before. And there's this mental jump that you need to make to get into leadership. And even if it's not leadership, if it's just you want something better for yourself than you have today, right. it means there's going to be more, there's a higher cost there at the end of it. There is a higher cost. And, right. and what I love about your story and just pro sports in general is that that is expedited. I mean, it can happen overnight. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, overnight, boom, everything is such a higher cost. Much more eyes watching. Yeah. Many more eyes watching. Accountability needs to be higher. Discipline needs to be, you know, higher than ever before. So, I think that that's just as listening to your story. That's a that's a takeaway for me right now. Is we can't desire something better than we have today without a, a cost, right? You know, without right. a sacrifice. Absolutely, absolutely. I, you know, that makes that reminds me of all the, uh, you know. Um, Bill uh, Belichick's way of instilling confidence in our team later in the year when it's cold out, the practice field's freezing, we're still in full pads. I mean, I'll never forget, every Wednesday was our first. That's that's basically the beginning of our week is a Wednesday, and that's full pads day. That means full pads, whatever it is. <laughs> Bill would always say, whatever it is out there, dress for it because we're in it. We're not going to – they didn't even – we didn't even have an indoor facility. It was 60 yards, and it was like a bubble. It was like half standing. And meanwhile, we have a helicopter pad that the owner will fly down and land on while we're outside in the snow practicing. <laughs> but we don't have an indoor facility. Yeah. But these are all small little um, ways that Bill was able to create a culture of strong – resilient um operating individuals that come together Mm -hmm. and work as a fine-tuned machine and um i'll get back to the weather and playing in those in those environments bill bill knew that he could build resiliency through our team by making us do that difficult stuff that even you know there was a lot of arguments too by the leaders and the older veteran players who were, I mean, one making their salaries are a lot more than some of us younger players yeah. are. And, and I say that to, to be, uh, to make a point of, they have, they have uh, a say in uh-huh. some of the way we do things there yeah. a little bit. I mean, Bill's pretty, there's a reason why Bill's the general manager and the head coach. Yeah. I mean, he wants control of how everything's going mm-hmm. there and, and there's a specific reason for it but and these are the reasons um i'll uh, and i'll i preface all that to say our, my first super bowl the night before we were in we were it was in arizona we were playing the seahawks and um i'll never forget his speech to us um and he started um uh expressing the true situation of w- you know, the Seahawks in comparison to us and how they practice. And after week eight or nine, they're in shells. They're not hitting each other anymore. Uh, They're not, uh, you know, they're flying around and it's lighter. It's easier. It's not a grind. They're, they're in the bubble. It's raining in Seattle, but you know, it's not snowing and whipping wind and they're not on a freezing field watching their coaches dressed up in a bunch of, um, sweatpants and and they're all comfortable right all the Mm -hmm. coaches and bill's comfortable he's got three layers on twirling his whistle and all of us are out there just (laughs) basically gritting a two-hour practice in the snow and the field's so hard that your cleats won't even dig into it and i say all this stuff because 
he was able to convey that message the night before the Super Bowl and tell us, look, there's a reason why you guys are going to wake up tomorrow and be champions. There's a reason why, and it's because of what you've given and what you've sacrificed in all these years. And it's this little stuff. It's what sets you apart from the rest of the teams. Uh, every He goes, every team has insane amount of ath- athleticism. Talent. I mean, literally, it's unbelievable. Every team. We were actually undersized. Sometimes we'd play like teams like Jacksonville, and and uh, Jacksonville was one who didn't do all that well. But the pure athleticism in some of those guys yeah. and their roster, and like sometimes they put them out there. You're like, you got to be kidding me. We really <laughs> did defend them and didn't let them score more than 14 points. It's it, it is absurd. But what sets us apart is our discipline, yeah. the way we were able to not shoot ourselves in the foot due to emotion and getting too wrapped up because you know, I didn't like something a player said, so now I get a personal foul mm-hmm. on third down and it moves us. Every little um, reaction in football yeah. that hurts us, Bill can't stand. So eliminating bad football was our yeah. big main goal. But getting back to his speech, he his whole message was, they they they're not gonna last. They can't last with you. A Super Bowl is another forty five minutes to an hour longer than a normal game yeah. because the halftime is like forty mm-hmm. minutes. So it's already such a different experience. The the long drawn out week, and it's it is a grind. It's a grind. And so his message to us, though, I'll never forget the uh, the feeling that all of us players had leaving that um, meeting the night before. We're going to our rooms to go to sleep yeah. after this. And I was so hopped up. Like, I was so – that was the only time out of that whole week I was ready to be like, I don't care that it's 930. I'm ready to dress right now. Let's just go get this thing done. Like, And and I could tell everybody felt that way. And that was a – that game was a dogfight. I mean, it's four quarters and things go – in the other team's favor and it's it's hard sometimes late in the game when and you're like man is that is it really going to be because of that like are we really going to lose because of that play or yeah. that call and um but his his way of conveying that message and instilling confidence in us um he was able to do that because he was he was discussing things with us that were true it, they were real and we all knew they were real. Yeah. we knew we were out there grinding in that terrible mm-hmm. weather all the time and so um I think a, a, some of his uh, ability as a great leader is um, he is. He, he provided that honest and constructive feedback. And um, while also that, that, was an, that was his attempt to inspire and build confidence in us. And he yeah. can only do that because uh, by being honest yeah. with, young, with young men who are getting paid lots and lots and lots of money, he, he kept us honest you know, and, and, uh, and accountable. And, and we all knew that and we, and we took pride in that at the end of the year, we, we literally left that meeting room going, you're right. You're right. They, they don't do anything like yeah. that. They don't do it. And they do get a little emotional. And if we do, mm-hmm. you know, upset them a little bit, they're the ones that will retaliate, slap the yeah. face mask, get the, we'll get an automatic first down. And we, he's just, he's savvy like that. He, and that's yeah. the reason why Bill's seen so much, so much success is because he's learned how to, you know, people use the phrase sometimes rally the troops. Like he, he, he knows how to collectively get this group to, um, you know, find our common goals and, and approach them in a very efficient manner. And yeah. it, it's, it's not being done in the NFL that much. I mean, yeah. there's a few coaches that seem, in my opinion, to be doing that consistent of a job. But, I mean, you look at 32 teams, you don't see the, the year-to-year yeah. success rate that Bill's had. You just don't see it. Which which is – Maybe you know, a Pop- Craig Popovich, Popovich for NBA, yeah. pretty close. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a few others in other sports, but 
Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it is it is tough. And when we were at lunch, you know, a couple months ago, I, I brought this up of, you know, which it, it's just crazy to me that at the highest level possible, right, where you'd think that the people in here are the best of the best. Now, obviously, athletically, they likely are. But, you know, thinking of of coaches, it's crazy that why are not all the best coaches or all the best leaders in those positions, you know, because we have to believe that there's more, (laughs) there's more people like, like Bill Belichick, for example, that knows how to, to bring, to bring a a team together like that. Um, and, and be consistent with it, you know, because everything you're talking about, it's, it, they sound simple. They sound like just details, being simple, keeping it simple, right. Telling the truth. I mean, that's not rocket science. It's not like no. when you arrive in, in New England, they like reveal some sort of, yeah. here's the secret formula that nobody knows about. You can't, can't ever tell this to anybody. Here's the secret recipe. It's not like they, they do that. It's the, it's the simple, simple things. Uh, yeah. And it's amazing to me that why, doesn't, why don't we have more of that? And, and that was, you know, I, as you know, I, I wasn't a, a pro athlete, but I played, you know, college sports and it was the same thing it was so hard to find that rhythm as a team coach players where you just mm-hmm. consistently find it so so it, it i think it's a i think it's amazing um on two accounts it's amazing that people have figured it out and it's also amazing that more people haven't figured it out <laughs> right i know you know and i think i think the reason why people a lot of whether it's you know a business here in the community or a, you know, a professional sports team. Um, they don't, it's because it's the concepts are so simple. Everybody goes, I know, but there's gotta be some, uh, there's it's gotta like a scoff at it. Yeah. yeah or is uh, like, I know those things, but, and it's like, no, that's really all it is, but you got to fully commit to those and that the action of fully committing day in day out to those, um, uh, annoyingly basic um, concepts of um, working towards progress they're not they're not fun it's it's mm-hmm. I always say do I'm helping a couple kids um, in their uh, ambitions to uh, learn how to kick in football and uh, I got one kid I'm working with in Tualatin right now and I was telling him the other day that uh, he doesn't foam roll uh, or stretch much and whatnot and I go all this the boring monotonous stuff I wish I did years prior to when I actually jumped in it because I would have been in a completely different place probably. But the whole point is, is all those boring stuff is really the most important um, attribute or not attributes, but they're really the most important factors in building your foundation when you're trying to reach a goal or trying to reach a, a destination in your journey, whether it's, you know, trying to learn a craft better or, um, uh, yeah, I just think I think it's the the basic idea that it's so simple that it that can't be the answer. It's got to be that with a bunch of other opportunities or you know uh, people you know or uh, you know uh, some type of cleat that's supposed to make you. It, there's no quick fixes mm-hmm. and and uh, uh, that quick of a a route to success. Yeah, I and, don't think. And what you said too, I think, is a is a key element of. It's not always gonna be fun, no. <laughs> right? No. It's not always gonna be fun, and and oftentimes, um, it's it's uh, it can even be a, it's perceived as a sacrifice. You know, not just right. not only is it not fun, but it's a sacrifice. And I personally think that sacrifice is 
you know, it's probably it's probably one of the greatest human discoveries that if I give something up today, I get something in tomorrow or the next day, right? Yeah. And I think that sacrifice in general as a as a true as a truth, I don't know if we take advantage of it as often as, as we should as human beings. No. That, that if we were to if we just sacrifice today this, whatever it is, our time, our energy, our 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 effort, it could be painful, etc., that I'm better for it tomorrow. Right. I think that some of us actually run from that and resent yeah. it instead of embracing it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's the, uh, it's, I think a lot of people worry about that struggle and going through this, the sacrificing aspect of giving your time and efforts to something. They worry because ultimately, I think, and this is just my opinion, but I think most people worry about it not coming to fruition and yeah. all of it's for nothing. Yeah. A- and that's, I can't find another reason why people would be so um, resistant towards uh, and re- uh, resistant and, you know, um, closed off to the idea of, you know, I always try to tell the younger kids, see what two weeks get you. If Can you do it for 10, 20 minutes every day for two weeks? Yeah. And then at that two week mark, just, just basically make a general comparison to where you were two weeks ago into now, there's never going to be a time that be like, I'm honestly, I'm worse. Yeah. I'm worse off than I was two weeks ago. Uh-huh. I guarantee you, you'll always be like, I, I haven't seen much progress in this, but honestly, I just figured something out that I didn't even have intentions for. And man, did that make a difference? Like, yeah. And so it's just that I think that's where that fear comes in is I'm going to put all this effort into something and it's not going to come or what it's the what if thinking. Yeah. That what if thinking's dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think what you're saying is is spot on. I think that it's um psychologically spot on. It's practically spot on. But again, it's one of those things that's so simple that we, you know, we we just uh, many of us don't do it. There's actually uh, we talk about this quite a bit in our in our framework in our leadership framework where we talk about um being deeply minded means that one of the things of being deeply minded means that when we see potential, right? When we see our full potential, and it could be something specific, it could be potential in a sport, in our job, in a relationship, or in life in general. Just mm-hmm. thinking, what do I want to become? And then just drive towards that single mindedly, just go towards it with all yes. that you have. Not a lot of us do that. And I think it's because there's fear involved. And, and I think you're spot on that. And I like the way that you put it is, if I'm really clear about what I want, my potential, then I also have to realize that that, that can't happen. That some that there's an option yeah. that that might not happen. And right. I'm scared of that. Yeah. I also, what I add on to it is, if I'm really clear about what success looks like, then at the same time I have to be clear about what failure looks like. And that's what I'm afraid Amen. of. Because if, if I just keep failure blurry and, and kind of in the gray area, then I never know if I actually fail. And then I settle for mediocrity and I start to rename little successes or growth in life, I start to rename that. I, I, I start to call that and label it as pure success, even though it's right. actually mediocrity. Right. Uh, so I think you're spot on. I think that there's that fear of if I define success, I'm defining failure. But then there's another fear of even if I do define success, what about all these barriers I have to get through yeah. to bridge this gap to get to my potential? Yeah. And that's scary for people. Yes, it's going to yeah. require me to do this. It's going to require me to think this way, and I don't want to think that way. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and it's the it's you know I I the last few podcasts uh, I got 
of yours uh, with uh, Espinoza and, you know, Tim Sinatra, um, you know, it makes me think about how, uh, you know, our approach to our, um, the, the, uh, our approaches to our goals and uh, the fears that we have of not, um, you know, uh, and people seeing the potential in themselves uh, and battling that whole fear of, of not being successful or fear of failure. And really there's, I, w- I want to be someone who tries to instill confidence in people and, and really tries to hit home that your efforts and what you go through and those hardships that you go through, this, this stuff, like you said, that's, it's not always fun. It's not always easy. Those really are the moments where you get to learn the most. Mm. They really are mm-hmm. like, it, and it, it reminds me of being what we called uh, something uh, called low lights. Well, low lights is a uh, time after a game where we go into our team meeting room and Bill gets to turn on and take the remote, which rewinds and fast forwards plays. And we just go through the whole game. And even when we win, let's say we're playing the Jets and we're expected to win, like we usually beat them. You would have thought we lost by 20, even though we won. <laughs> and he comes in there, and he, it's we call it low lights for a reason because I don't care who's in that room. You're not safe. Yeah, You're not safe. safe from criticism. You're not safe from somebody genuinely and honestly putting your play or your actions up on the screen for all of your, all of your coaches to see, all of your players and peers to see. And it's like a melting feeling. Like you literally melt in your chair and you never, no one ever, this is what's funny about this. No one ever knows what day you're going to be on it. <laughs> you never know. And, and it literally, this is that, this builds humility. Again, this oh, yeah. is one of Bill's ways of uh, holding accountability. There's There was times where he'd be like, Tom, like genuinely, I can throw this better than you. Like I, he literally, he's like, what, what he's like. And he, and he, and he will, he came after Tom, he would come after Julian, he'd come after coaches and be like, oh, I don't know what you guys are meeting in there about, but, and sometimes he kind of had to be the bad guy uh-huh. in a room with a bunch of young adults who are making millions of dollars. It, that's what type of a leader it takes to maintain a, efficient mechanisms within that mm-hmm. organization, right? And that same type of leader is not going to work in your local community which serves multiple different platforms and multiple different generations, that's not, that wouldn't be the appropriate leader, right? Like Uh Bill Belichick's not really going to be very helpful (laughs) for younger kids who are really trying to just find like what they're even passionate about. It's, his his leadership is for a certain yeah, um, certain group, certain, certain group, environment, and that's what makes it powerful. And but that's what that group needs. And so certain leaders um, provide those needs for the individual, you know, subgroup or category with whoever they're working with. Like you know, like teachers and elementary school kids, uh, the, you know, what they try to instill in them are going to be different than teachers in high schools in high school even, be just due to the age range mm-hmm. and what those kids are going through, uh, what their, what their ability to, um, uh, what type of ability they have to retain the information that's all going to change. So leaders, you know, that's the beauty of it is we have an opportunity as, as, as individuals in our community to serve where we can be most, um, influential and, and, um, and helpful. Yeah. And, and that's not, it's not always, going to be in the same um capacity or the same uh um 
demonstration or, mm-hmm. or actions as, as one would. But, uh, you know, it, what I learned from Bill, though, is that it's just that that accountability and that humility being like, hey, look, nothing's we're, we're going to expose it, but it's for the better. It's for yeah. you to be better and, and mm-hmm. ready. That left you with, I'm not going to let that happen again. Every time that ha- if you were up there every time it was it was like, I'm going to do <laughs> I'm going to do whatever it takes to not get back on that low lights because it's just <laughs> it, it. And you felt, you know why it wasn't out of spite of him. You had all your peers in there. You felt like you let them down. Yeah. And you know what? Truthfully, we all go through it and whatnot, but it, it did. It created an environment and an atmosphere that that uh, you held yourself accountable after a while. After a few years of that, you start it. It kind of makes you look internally. You know, and he was able to do that, which was pretty, pretty special looking back on it now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the lessons learned, learned from that, um, uh, can go a long way. Yeah. Um, man, this is great just to hear, you know, these stories, these connections of lessons that you've learned kind of personally, how you've been able to see, see it because, Again, these things can happen all around us. We can have these opportunities. Somebody could find, could come across someone like Belichick in a moment like that and be like, oh, this is the worst. The mm-hmm. worst. You know, it takes personal accountability, self-awareness to take a situation like that and actually learn from it, to right. buy into the lesson that's, that's there. Yep. Um, it goes back to the, you know, what we were talking about before, kind of the adversity and, and being able to have that switch of, this is a learning opportunity. It's a, it's it's it might be a, feel like a sacrifice, but it's not something to resent or to be bitter or angry about. It's something to to shape us to right. learn from, um, and and that I think is a is a is a skill set to develop. Yeah, and something I think we need um, a lot more as a society, from kids all the way to adults, is to is to take the challenges around us. Some of us even call it suffering. And to use it well, not poorly, because mm-hmm. if we use it poorly, it ends up re- we become resentful, we become angry, become bitter, we start to blame everybody else. But if we use it well, we become a better version of ourselves. And there's suffering that people experience in the world that is awful, right? right. That they that no, but none of us would wish upon anybody. Um, but even those individuals can still choose, make that choice. And I think people like Viktor Frankl are a great example, Holocaust survivor. And his whole MO was you can find meaning through suffering. Um, right. And, uh, you know, who, who, who better to learn from than a, than a Holocaust survivor, that yeah. lesson of when we're around adversity, when we're around, around challenges that seem way out of, out of our, you know, ability to, to fix or to, to, to find a solution, that there's still an opportunity for growth. Right. So uh, on, on all scales, I think what you're saying is just full of truth. Um, but tell us more about, uh, you know, take us back to when you were a kid. You mentioned before yeah. you had a soccer coach growing up. I mean, I'd love to hear the contrast yeah. of Bill Belichick and a soccer coach, but still life lessons that you learn from these individuals. Yeah, definitely. And I wanted to touch it, yeah, your uh, quote on the uh, Holocaust survivor. It reminded me of a quote that I just recently read, and it, and it just – and I can't remember who the, uh, the person was, but they said, growth and comfort – can't ever coexist there is never an area where we're growing as an individual where there it's complete comfort there's Mm -hmm. complete comfort around and and you and and, you know getting to that it's it's interesting you know talking about my early childhood um, my first real 
uh, competitive sports coach, uh, Izan Bayan. Um, I, I, I still need to stop by and talk to him. Um, uh, he was an amazing um, mentor in my life during that time. And uh, this was a man who gave a ton of, you know, personal investment to not only his kid, his kid was on the soccer team as well, yeah. but you, every day we showed up for practice. This is, I was probably like nine, I think age nine, where I played for him for a couple of years here at Salem Capital. And uh, anyway, his um, enthusiasm, his fiery um, passion for the game itself and, and uh, in moments where we weren't being um, – attentive enough and listening to the instruction during practice, the way he was able to even verbally um, explain and stay on us with some intensity, there was never um, personal intent uh, uh, directed at individuals on the team. It was was a, we're all a team, um, uh, and there was accountability held. Uh, it, for instance, in soccer, right? If you hold the ball, or in any sport, you hold the ball too long, and other people are open. It's kind of like, hey, man, we got to have a, a an awareness of mm-hmm. of spacing and where everything are. In that whole like selfish, I'm I'm in my own little bubble with the ball. Yeah. And when you're nine and ten, you you got to start. That's the the earliest ages where you're going to be able to like take um, young kids that age and start uh, trying to. Um, uh, teach them the lesson of, you know, using the team aspect, yeah. spacing, like in soccer. When mm-hmm. when do we normally, as adults, when do we normally see the kid, children stop the cow herd yeah. soccer <laughs> approach, right, where all the kids just huddle in a ball and swing their leg? It's about 9 or 10 years old where they start m- even making an attempt to spread out, right? Yeah. So Izam, my, or my soccer coach at the time, he was just gifted with that. He was able to... Um, really communicate with us and still have that enthusiasm and that fiery passion without it coming across as harsh criticism yeah and and even though it was criticism he was criticizing us as as a whole team it was never individualized Mm -hmm. and so um he you know i i think that was a it was it was such a blessing to be able to um be coached by an individual like that because Mm -hmm. i mean i looked up to him like I knew I could tell he was talented and he, he was into sports and I loved this sport and the way he communicated with me and others, like he earned my trust. He made us want to play for him and want to work hard for him. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I always think about that because um, as I continued to go through my sport uh, journey in sports, that wasn't always the case. I didn't always have an exam. And, and oh, that's, yeah. that's, un- that's what's unfortunate is there's a lot of people out there that, unfortunately aren't in things for the right reasons, mm-hmm. you know, and it may be for one reason that's, you know, uh, admirable or, or, you know, you could respect uh, their intentions for, you know, uh, you know, giving their service uh, mm-hmm. to mentor and coach, but um, they don't have all the tools yet to be yeah. that uh, influential. And, you know, that's something that I want to learn and, and grow as as a leader here in our community is I, I want to learn more and more techniques to where I can um, I can reiterate and tell my experiences and journeys and be able to give that to our youth in very constructive ways to build their yeah. um, uh, attributes, build their passions mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and encourage them, because I truly believe that's something Espinosa. Uh, um, 
uh, your podcast with Espinosa, you guys were talking about it was he truly believes that every individual has a unique set of skills mm -hmm. that they can be a major contributor to their school, their society, their company, yeah. their business. That is true. Mm -hmm. That is a hundred percent true. And it's hard though for the youth who go through, you know, we, like you said, we go through hardships, we go through suffering and it's once you start adding and sprinkling all those different obstacles, it's really hard to stay confident in your, yeah. in oneself and one, you do question, you do doubt yourself. And so, you know, having a, an influential leader like Izam early on really set the tone for me to be able to even decipher who I was going to be listening to in life and mm -hmm. who I would actually just let some of the stuff go. Yeah. You and know, I mean, knowing, you know, stories like that from you, it's obviously clear why you're, why you're passionate about youth development, you right. know, why you care about it, where you kind of want to give back, spend your time now. Um, because, you know, it was named Hisam? Izam. 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 So Izam, you know, you're nine years old and he's with this team. I mean, he has no idea that Oh, there's a kid. He's gonna be a three-time Super Bowl champ one day. You know, he has no idea. Has no, yeah. And and all of us, you know, in all of our, if we're especially if we're in a leadership role of any sort, but even if we're not, I mean, from working with youth all the way to adults, we have no idea, right, what people are capable of. That's why I Absolutely. like you keep bringing up Jacobs, uh, the whole episode on unlocking the potential in other Love people. It. Love that one because. Uh, you know, I coach still for the club here, the soccer club, and you know, I don't, I don't approach practice or training that way of thinking. You know, this kid could one day become whatever, right? And even if it's nothing of like noted public prestige, right? He, this person could be a father, a mother, a, 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 a you know, a, a partner to somebody one day, a, just a good citizen, right? And I don't always think that way, and I, I need these reminders to, to allow me to remember that that I'm in a position of influence right. um, and the words that I say, how I say them, you know, have, have an impact and, 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 and can, can make or break, uh, well, can, can have a huge de determining uh, force on what, uh, what a young kid or an adult, you know, decides right. to do or not do. Um, yeah. a, it's a, it's a, it's almost, you know, it's a, it's an incredible power that we have in those environments. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, I, I totally agree. I, it, uh, you know, I was, I was, I was, I was blessed to be able to be around not just him, but even, you know, even in high school, another, my AAU basketball, uh, coach was named Robert Key. And he, um, took the head coaching job at Roosevelt high school in North Portland. And, uh, uh, yeah, talk, talk about a guy who just, again, had this, uh, the ener the level of his energy and his enthusiasm for uh like like healthy basketball he used to talk about like healthy basketball like healthy um um offense and defense meaning they're not going to get broken down easy we're going to be able to and you stick to your you stick to you what makes you you and I'll, that was my first um run in with a coach who held who held me accountable in the one of the most um productive ways possible but I was actually a little bit younger on the team my dad had uh, sponsored a couple uh, kids and gave him an opportunity to pay for their trips on mm -hmm. our AAU tournaments and in return I get to be a bench player who comes in a little bit but my dad knew this was a growing experience for me these yeah. guys are way better baller like hoopers uh -huh. than I am and um, 
And uh, so, but I played my my role, and uh, I was good with all the guys. It made me grow. Uh, first couple weeks was extremely hard for me, and I was like, when I say I was getting my I mean, I was just getting done up in practice, like for two weeks. And I literally, there was one point where I actually tried to act like I wasn't home. This is hilarious. I tried to act like I wasn't home my junior year when one of my buddies came to pick me up to go all the way to Portland for practice because I was tired of the meeting. I was literally tired of getting absolutely crushed. But another four days, five days roll by, and all of a sudden, the same few point guards I was guarding weren't getting by me as easy anymore. Weren't getting, and I was, because I, I had to just keep, I had to figure out how, how much space to give them, how much, and I figured all that out by what? Staying with it. Mm-hmm. I stayed with it. And uh, not only was he motivating in a sense of, you know, helping me find what my values were for that team, yeah. um, but he held me accountable. And, uh, he, uh, one thing that Coach Key did for me was uh, we were in a tournament in San Diego, and uh, I, I got subbed in. Played a couple minutes and he yanked, and all of a sudden I hear him. I, I pass up a shot and I try to drive and I literally I felt like I got fouled. But the guys are so such good athletes that he was just hovering so much further in the air above me that <laughs> yeah he bumped me a little bit but he definitely blocked my shot and and uh, so here coach is yelling at me he pulls me out immediately and he's like and he literally sits me down he goes ryan he's like you were a good shooter i cannot have you in the game if you're just going to pass up shots he's like you drive into the bucket he's like that's not you yeah it's not you and i i knew it he knew it and i had to sit there and already i was i was i was pissed i was pissed and the reason why is because he has he's he has been mentoring me and helping me like grow and he's totally right he said it before and I didn't do it and it was a um again like I'm not gonna let that happen again Mm -hmm. and and those are his approach to that there's so many different ways I've watched mentors and leaders approach conversation to the individuals that they're trying to influence and they're missing they're they're missing their opportunity and um, shoot I've done it I've tried I've been trying to help my uh, nieces and nephews who are a little bit older than my own daughter and uh, whenever we're on the mountain skiing or snowboarding and stuff there's I, I always laugh sometimes when I try to get a a um, teaching point out have you I'm sure you're you're a father you've had this happen mm-hmm. before you try to get something out and teach a young child something and once you leave you go no nope, that wasn't it. <laughs> That wasn't it. You can feel it. You know, yeah. you kind of know whether you got to them or yeah. not, and they understood it or not. And it oh, was yeah. the, uh, the again, good leaders have a way of doing that. They they know how to communicate and speak to not only uh, in not only one way. They know how to look at the individual and understand kind of who they are, and they're able to communicate and get those messages through to those individuals. And that's, in my opinion, what makes these leaders and these coaches that I've had in the past, in my opinion, that's what makes them so productive. Yeah. And and sometimes you can have two different coaches that say the same words, but it's what that last piece that you said, because they have a deeper level of care, concern, it resonates. Right. And sometimes that's all, even as adults, sometimes that's all that we, we want, you know, it's like, okay, I've been told the same thing, but this person's saying it in a way you know, where they yeah. care for me, they see me, yeah. and all of a sudden it, it matters to me. It's that, you know, that's kind of like a like a cheat code almost. Right, yeah. <laughs> to get a point across. Yeah. Or to break, know. I think it's breaking barriers down too. Like a lot of people have guards up, and I always think about how, how do we 
constructively criticize while be still giving those emotions and feelings of inspiration and um, building confidence and inspiring. Um, how do we do that? Wow, that's a very powerful thing to be able to criticize, but do it in a way with your body mannerisms, your gestures, your tone, uh, the calmness and security in your voice. When you're able to do that and then throw that arm over an individual and be like, hey, I mean, you've done it before. Yeah. You've done it multiple times. That whole interaction, it's not even almost even like you said about the words. It's about your delivery. Yeah. And and, and I, I've heard you talk to a few different individuals during your podcast about like the power of telling stories. Mm-hmm. That is all you're doing. That it, you're, you're trying to tell and explain that story in that little clip or snidbit to that individual and doing it in a very um, non-confrontational way like, hey, same team. Yeah. We're, we're same team here. And that's the little innuendos of throwing the arm around them like your buddies and, and yeah. whatnot. Like it, it, and I'm usually referring to when you're younger, like yeah. with, with your youth well, and, development. And meaning, and meaning it. And know? meaning it. Yeah. And yeah. being there and being consistent with that. And I, I've found a lot of success even in, I took my, uh, my nephew who's nine, I took his just basketball team and they're not competitive and yeah. they're still beginning. I got six or seven kids who can barely dribble and then three kids who are crossing over. Can we work on giving goes and, <laughs> and screening rolls? And I'm like, guys, even if we practice that, the five others are not <laughs> going to get it. So yeah. it, in, in, and they're nine, 10 years old. And, um, that was my first, this last winter was my first uh, opportunity to learn and get to step in and kind of be a um, uh, a coach or a, a mentor for these yeah. uh, these 10 boys. And, you know, a few of them don't listen at all and are, uh, are disruptive. And it, but uh, I even looked at one, Apollo, his kid's name is Apollo, and kind of goofed off, didn't really take anything seriously, didn't really want to try hard. But in the, for some reason in the games when all the parents were there and stuff, he, you know, he, he had a little more fire in his yeah. tail. And he's running around and, and he can't – he just likes to shoot a lot and stuff. But we've, we've, I finally figured out a way to tap into him, and it was it, – it's that befriending. You, you, mm-hmm. you get on their level and you show them that you're, you're like them. You can be a little silly. You can be – you kind of got to earn their respect a little bit. Um, and, 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 and that's what yeah. I mean by breaking those walls down yeah. with those younger, with those younger, they look at us adults. I did it. I'm sure you did it mm-hmm. when you had, let's say when you were 10 years old and you were playing, you were playing soccer at 10, I'm assuming. Yeah. Right. How did you view those 18 year olds or who were running the summer soccer camp? Or how did mm-hmm. you view, you view them as like huge individuals, right? Yeah. They're scary. Adults are scary when you're 10, 12 years old yeah. and stuff, especially if, they get intense. Yeah. They get a little intense with you, right? Yeah. And, and so you can. It, it, that's the. That's my. Um, that's what I think is so fascinating about the difference between you know very productive leadership yeah. and and unproductive leadership. And I think there's that's where some of that lies is 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 being able to convey that message, tell that story, and relate to those individuals, and don't really give them a reason. Um, all the way down to your tone and, and mm-hmm. delivery. Don't give them a reason to put that wall up. Give them a reason to be like, honestly, I don't really feel like I could tell anybody that, but let me kick that wall down and let, yeah. let me say this to this individual because I just feel like he's not going to you yeah. know, attack me or whatnot. And that's not a matter of being you know, soft or gentle with them. It's, I think it's being savvy. Yeah. You know, you're being creative on how mm-hmm. you, um, you know, 
relate to these individuals, no matter how old or how young. Yeah, and it's it's uh, it's looking for those those moments of opportunity, you know, to to kind of break, like you said, break down the, the walls to to see them. I, I when you were talking, it reminded me of a story um, in college. Uh, you know, I was a goalkeeper, but um, there was uh, as my sophomore year, we were running sprints, and um, I was beating everybody by like five, ten yards. I've always prided myself to be fastest on the team, right? Right. So I'm beating everybody in sprints, and my coach says, Panetta, come over here. He says, you ever played You ever played forward before? And I'm like, yeah, when I was a kid. He's like, oh, well, you're really fast. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and uh, that's that's all that came from that conversation. And uh, long story, to, to get to the point, they ended up changing me to forward that year, which was a, a big shift for me, right? Mm-hmm. But I was kept trying to be a team guy. Like, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. Um but it was hard, and one of the hardest things for me was just learning how to me- kind of mentally change how I use my body and my aggression. Goalkeepers typically have the advantage. You can go in, slide in on yeah. guys. So I had this big problem that was starting to develop a problem with my teammates. I would slide in on them. Yeah, right? you're too physical. Yeah, I'd be way too physical. <laughs> I was the physical guy, love right? It. And they love that when I'm playing goalkeeper, yeah, not right. so much when I'm like, when they have the ball yeah. and I want it, right? Right. And so I developed this mentality, this this reputation of, oh, Panetta's reckless, right? He's going to hurt you. Right. And multiple times people would get mad at me. Coach always after me, Panetta, tone it down, tone it down. And there's one practice that was so bad. We start right before one of our rivals, uh, and we start practice, and he gets us all together, and he says, I want everybody to give 110% today, except for you, Panetta. You tone it down to 75 <laughs> So I said, love that. You tone it down to 75. So I'm I'm you know I'm already thinking this isn't fair like nobody can match my yeah. my competitive you know they there's right. not as, they just don't work as hard as me. Right. So I'm already resentful like yeah. nobody admires that I work harder than everybody's what I'm telling myself. Right. And uh so you know we start to scrimmage full 11 aside and and I'm playing on the second team and sliding on one of my teammates everybody freaks out like it you know they've had enough like teammates yelling at me like Panetta, yeah. and coach he lets me have it like all sorts of colorful language Panetta, blah, blah, yeah. blah. you know you do that again and he got to the point where he said you do that again you're done man like you're off the team like this is your teammates you got to take care of them right he was serious serious yeah and so i'm like you know okay. crap but inside i'm thinking he seriously doesn't value my work ethic you know right. like, why doesn't he value me you know so i'm just i'm like over the top now i stopped mm-hmm. trying like I'm not even working hard right anymore, yeah. and so I go, I go, I start going up head to head because I'm playing forward with one of the center backs, one of our captains, big guy, probably six four, like two twenty, pretty pretty built yeah. built kid uh, from Canada, and uh, he's just taking advantage of me now, knocking yeah. me on the ground, anytime. having fun. Oh yeah, anytime yeah. we have fifty fifty ball, he's knocking me down. I'm faster than him, but if I if I'm beating him, you know, into the ball, he'll trip me up from behind or grab my jersey yeah. and pull me back. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, this isn't fair. That he he clearly heard what coach said. Now he's letting me have it. Yeah. Like now he's getting payback, right? Yeah. And so finally, uh, I've had enough. He knocked me down probably the sixth, seventh time, and finally I turn around and I just get my finger in his face. I'm like, dude, you do that again. I'm taking you out. I'm taking you out. Yeah. I said some other things to him. Yeah. Uh, and he just, you know, he just stared at me. And then ironically, coach says, "Hey, everybody, grab some water." So we start walking off, and as I'm storming off the field. But I feel this arm just come up around me, like pull uh-huh. me in, and it's my teammate, okay. right? That I just screamed at in his face, and he pulls me in. And he's like, "Chris, he's like, dude, tomorrow we play our rivals, 
nobody is going to take it easy on, on you in that game, and nobody's going to take it easy on me. So you go as hard as you want. If coach gets mad at you again, I got your back. Look at that. Yeah. I mean, and in an instant, a special, it's for spe- real, it for, was, for that to be a teammate, to be a teammate and not the coach. Yeah. And that's what we see even in the NFL. That's that. I mean, there's better leaders that are in locker rooms than even the head coaches and in, in the yeah. certain things. That's that's awesome. What, what was inter- What was the 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 interesting part of that whole story was, well, what ended up happening is I stopped being reckless, right? Like that that one moment just really helped me understand, you know, a lot of things that I can play and be aggressive, not be reckless, not hurt my teammates because he wasn't hurting me, although he yeah. was playing very physical right he wasn't hurting me so i there i stopped after that it was, it was i don't know how to explain it i just no more issues after that moment but I've, I've reflected on that a lot and uh i've imagined what would it have been like if he didn't find one of those glimpses or opportunities right right if right. he would have if he would have put up a wall then we would yeah. have probably had a fist fight yeah. in practice yeah it would have solidified your resentment to mm-hmm. your current situation yeah basically and so yeah. he he would like you're saying he was one of those individuals in that moment that yeah. saw through found an opportunity you know and took advantage of it had a huge impact on me right yeah and yeah. uh and so i thought of that as you were as you were talking of of just you know how we deliver it finding those moments um mm. Because his approach with me that way, it's not like every moment it's going to be, we want somebody to give us a hug and pull us in. You know, it was that specific moment that, that, that it, that it mattered. And I think he was just, you know, following a sense that he had, um, and trying to be a good leader and be a good teammate. But, um, we, uh, we just got a few minutes left. So I love kind of your closing, closing remarks, man. Like what, what? We've talked about a lot. This has been yeah, really yeah, fun. I yeah. hope that listeners yeah. are enjoying. You've enjoyed this because we've bounced all over, but it's we been, have. but it's been good. And there's definitely been a common theme that we've been talking about, and I think there's a ton of takeaways. Uh, but what would be your kind of closing remarks for us? Yeah, I would say that um, a lot of the result, the results of my journey, have a lot to do with the influences and the leadership that was basically shown to me throughout my childhood and even upbringing. And it allowed me to even have the capacity to handle it at a very intense, in an, in an, a very, a very intense environment in the professional league. And, uh, one that many would have a hard time handling. Mm -hmm. I mean, even people who go, there's a lot of, you know, you mentioned it earlier um, uh, about certain people would come to the Patriots organization and be like, yeah, and that some of that like full on accountability and, and calling out, you know, 24 year olds that are making millions of dollars being like, nah, you need to do better. Like that, that's not enough. There were a lot there was a lot of that there was uh, Reggie Wayne came from the Indianapolis Colts and he was an older guy and he there was on a handful of occasions where older veterans would come here and be like I'm not uh, I'm good yeah I'm good and, and they didn't need it they didn't feel like that was gonna uh they didn't want and what was interesting to me is they weren't interested in that culture that's mm-hmm. what I found most interesting about that is it's not a I know you're older you got kids you you know after a certain point we almost feel like at times where you know there's nothing left to learn right there's mm-hmm. nothing this is about making money and giving me my family a good opportunity and, and security in life and um, but 
you know, those guys are, are missing out on a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, but yeah, the, the leadership that I was able to, um, uh, experience from multiple individuals, uh, uh who displayed, you know, personal investment, the inspiring and building confidence in whoever they were uh, influencing, um, giving honest and constructive feedback in a genuine way. Yeah. Uh, one that is approached with the mindset of we are collectively in in this together. This isn't a me looking down at you. or yeah. And there's a way to deliver that message. And I was able to have that by not only one, but a few different individuals. Yeah. And so I think that that's... Um, you know, uh, another quote that I just thought about is is the accountability breeds responsibility, mm-hmm. not responsibility, but responsibility, the ability to respond in the mm-hmm. appropriate manners. And that comes through accountability. And I look at those individuals and those are some of the most accountable individuals that I've come across and that I've learned from. And I see a lot of value in the way that they approach how yeah. that they they lead and, and respond. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, been it's been a blessing and and given me a lot of opportunity to to grow and to think about how I can can help. But like I said, I'm I'm very passionate about our where our, the direction of our youth development is going and and you know me and the rest of uh, us at the YMCA are 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 wanting to you know to think about our 10 15 year plan of you know what yeah. we really can provide our community with that allows you know whether you're 10 years old or 8 years old going through some family struggles or you're someone who's 35 or 40 and had some unfortunate things happen to you you yeah. know how do we instill that confidence how do we you know tap into that person's natural gifts mm-hmm. and let them let them find that that confidence again and that's what uh you know that everybody's got the capacity to do many great things. It's just uh, I was fortunate to have people that were supportive and and led me in the right direction. You yeah. know, and a lot of people, some people don't get that. And um, you know, it's hard when you're you know the the younger you are, the harder it is to realize all that. Mm-hmm. I think the older you are, you can start kind of putting some of those pieces together a little bit. But life's life's tough. Life's yeah. tough sometimes, and 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 that's what good leaders do. They they allow people to open up and see their values and and see that they have a you know even if it's just one person that one support cast can take one individual a long way even if his family and other influences are you know trying to pull him in a pull him or her in a different direction that one you know there's there was times in my life too where i was dealing with you know uh, tragedy in our family and, and, uh, you know, rough roads, uh, pertaining to, you know, relationships and emotions. And, you know, these individuals uh, and my coaches were a strong reason why I was able to, um, ignore some of those distractions and keep focused on, you know, the end goal for myself. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm hearing a, a key, a key thing here on the personal level is, is to look for, for these opportunities like you said some of us don't you know we might have a life where we don't have all of those opportunities come our way mm-hmm. but there's a choice that we get to make right to even right. in the, the 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 situations where we feel like it's just all it is is a, is suffering and, and a, a nuisance or a or an unnecessary uh thing that's happening to us even in those moments there's an opportunity to grow and find absolutely and, find meaning. and then i'm also hearing that how key leadership is, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, I mean, great leaders will make or break, um, 
teams, organizations, communities, families, you name it. And Amen. and I, be, I you know I'm I'm obviously all in in that. That's why we have this leadership institute and where we're trying to create um, strong leadership for many years to come here because I I 100% believe that leaders have the ability to to change the world, man. Yeah. And it starts by changing, you know, one individual at a time. Uh, and, uh, and I, and I really believe that. So, um, man, it's been a, it's been a privilege having you on, yeah. we, you know, I say yeah, this all for the, having me. Yeah. I say this to a lot <laughs> of guests, but you know, uh, I, I mean it, it's, it, we could, I could have kept talking to you for another two hours. And I, know, I know. We could have episode two, <laughs> episode three, ramble. episode four. So, uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully you can be, you know, be part of our leadership Institute and, and seriously, we'll have to have you back on sometime if you're if you're yeah. willing and and keep the conversation yeah. going, man. Because this has been fun. Definitely, Chris. I well, once again, I appreciate you having me, and uh, you know, thank you for all of what you do, and and you know, the ambitions of Mountain West, and and the impact that you guys all have had in this community is is really inspired me um, to look into ways that I can serve our community and basically just how I can help is easily, you know, easiest put is, um, you know, the people that are given their time and serving and, um, you know, having a real purpose for, um, positive change in the direction of where we're going is, uh, is very inspiring. Even, you know, throughout all of what I've learned, you know, to come back home and see just how much everybody's really, um, you know, lending a hand in this mm-hmm. community is, is, uh, it is, it's inspiring and I want to be a part of it and in any way I possibly can. And, um, yeah, the future's bright, man. Yeah. You know, seriously. got a lot of opportunity. Yeah. Well, we appreciate that, man. And I look yep. forward to, to, uh, you know, being on that journey with you, man. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening and until next time, be safe.